Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. In my time here, I've spoken about the importance of spending time in prayer and trusting in God's promises, and it's why I urge everyone to do it. However, one area of prayer that I haven't really touched on is the area of unanswered prayer. And when God feels distant, and that's why we're going to be focusing on Psalm 13 this morning. I wonder if anyone here has made a wish. I make a wish every Saturday, but hearts still lose. But what are some of the things that you have wished for? Does anybody want to be brave? Wish for good health. Peace on earth. The end of COVID. So many different things. And the thing is, wishes almost always fall into two different categories. We either wish for something good to happen or we wish for something bad to come to an end. And either way, these wishes cause us to end up somewhere that is different to where we currently are. So the situation that we find ourselves in, we move away from it. We look to, to seek to be somewhere that is much more comfortable and joyful. I don't know how this happened, but one thing of many that are not of God has infiltrated the church. There is a, a gospel being preached where a, a good news goes something like this. If you come to Jesus, you will always be healthy. If you come to Jesus, you'll always have money. You'll be materially rich. If you come to Jesus, you'll always succeed. You'll never have a problem that lasts any longer than a few hours. If you come to Jesus and you are not feeling 100% or on fire for God 24-7, then you're doing it wrong. Nonsense. All of that is a nonsense. Christians aren't exempt from the things of this world, both good and bad. And here we have these verses from King David in Psalm 13 this morning, a man who is described as a man after God's own heart. 
David is clearly writing this psalm from a place of depression and exhaustion. It's probably being written while he's being pursued. He may well be hiding in a cave while the, the Philistines or Saul are chasing him. His issues with Saul have gone on for years and years, and it's no surprise that he's now becoming discouraged. Psalm 13 is poured out from the, the depths of his soul. Four times the words, how long, are on David's lips. How long, Lord? This man who's been pursued relentlessly by King Saul, there's no wonder he's left wondering, what is delaying God? Why is God not acting in his situation? Where is he? Where's that help that David needs when is David going to be set free? And as we read through this psalm, David feels as if God has forgotten him. He feels cut off from the Lord's favor. He's feeling that deep depression and is suffering the humiliation of feeling like he's on the losing side. Being told he was going to be on the, the winning side, but he feels like he's on the losing side. And I'm not sure where you're at this morning. You might be on fire. You might be in a good place, and I hope that you are. However, I'm very much aware that we all go through periods in our lives that are a real struggle. For we struggle with similar feelings to the ones that David writes here in Psalm 13, that God is distant. He doesn't care. And you maybe feel that you're destined to struggle through it all alone. However, that isn't the reality. Because we have a God who is faithful. And of course, God might not act as quickly or in the ways in which we would want them to be. But we can be rest assured that God is always in action. Always with us no matter where we are or what we're going through. We're going to be going through this psalm verse by verse. So if you have your Bible with you, then please find Psalm 13. So David starts the psalm with, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? God has promised David the throne of Israel. Yet that day of, of coronation seems so far away. And in each day it feels further and further and further away. Saul is doing all of these evil things. Turning his back on God. Disobeying God. God doesn't seem to be judging him though. He seems to have the upper hand. And here's David doing all these good things, following God's law, following God's prompting, yet he feels abandoned by the Lord. Has God forgotten him? 
What is going on? David is disturbed by what the enemy is doing. But he's even more concerned that God doesn't appear to be listening to him at all. How long? How long, O Lord? This is David saying, I'm talking to you, God. I'm talking to you. I'm trying to get through to you. But there's nothing to show me that you are here with me. I'm alone. I'm sure that we've all been in positions in our life where we've made an appeal to God, wondering why things aren't moving as quickly as we feel they should be, or even questioning whether God is even listening to us at all. It seems to David that God has forgotten him and the promise that had been made to him. How long will you forget me forever? But worse than forgetting him, David actually thinks that the Lord has forsaken him. How long will you hide your face from me? This suggests that God has taken his presence away from David. It would appear that David's enemies have drawn that conclusion and they're mocking him for it. You see, as difficult as it can be, one thing that we need to learn is that God is never in a hurry. God wants us to be transformed, and anything worth transforming can take a while. You know, we were speaking earlier about waiting for a baby. You know, that doesn't happen overnight. It takes time for that, that baby to, to grow. I always think of, of butterflies. You know, it takes a bit of time for that beautiful butterfly. God wants us to be transformed and anything worth transforming can take a while. It doesn't matter if it's a culture or a way of life or our own individual lives and our circumstances. You see, in our walk with God and the transformation by the Holy Spirit, it can only be done if enough time is given to it. God knows what he's doing. Things are moving forward, but maybe sometimes they feel like they're not. You see, we live in a world that is incredibly fast-paced. Everything is at our fingertips now. You don't have to go to a library. You can just do this and get the information you need. People are contactable 24-7. No running down to the, the end of the road to make a phone call. We're contactable 24-7. And the thing is, we expect things to be instant. And then amongst that, we struggle to see God moving because we want to see it happen right now. You see, our culture is pushing us more and more to be what you could consider to be right now people. We want it now. And we continue to move in that way. But He is God. And God has said He will never 
never forsake you. Jesus made sure that that would never happen due to his work on the cross. And as we move on to verse 2, we find David wondering. He says, how long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? We see here that David now no longer has control over his emotions and feelings. He has been beaten into submission. And he's brought, been brought to this, this low place. It seems like his life is in tatters. And he moves into that very human desire to draw on his own personal resources. However, as we read, we're unable to deal with all these things on our own. But the good news is that we don't have to. The good news is that we have Jesus. We don't have to go through these things on our own. It's why we need Jesus in our lives. But David has been brought low by his enemies. He says, how long will the enemy be exalted over me? Other translations might have something like, how long will they triumph over me? Again, this idea of David feeling like he's on the losing side, that the enemy is the winning side. It seemed to David that Saul was bound to win. He had all of the, the means and the power and the resources. David starts to torture himself. He starts to go over this, these things in his head. He's left feeling like he's all alone. David has obviously tried various ways to overcome this situation, but nothing seems to be working. He's drawing on his own resources. And I wonder if we can relate to that. Where there have been times when we've failed to trust God first and tried to fix things on our own, but nothing happened. More than that, they just ended up getting worse. You see, our human nature drives us to want to sort out our own problems. But this psalm reminds us that this is not about leaning into our own experience or our own skills all of the time. That we would try to plot our own schedule and then believe that God isn't interested in us when we've not listened to his prompting, his guiding. David's son Solomon in the book of Proverbs in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight your trust in the Lord. The psalm teaches us anything. It's how dangerous a thing it can be to retreat into ourselves and give in to our feelings. You see, feelings by their nature can be deceptive and undependable because we can start to tell ourselves things that aren't actually true. 
we tell ourselves that enough, then we begin to believe it. So David turns to God in prayer in verse 3. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. It's as if during this time as David is wrestling with his own emotions and, and feelings that he snaps back into reality. He recognizes that God is his major resource. But it's also a major resource that's available to each and every one of us. Tim Keller writes in his book on prayer, Though it is often draining, even an agony, prayer is, in the long term, the greatest source of power that is possible. I'll read that again. Though it is often draining, even an agony, prayer is in the long term the greatest source of power that is possible. You see, in the first two verses, David has been crying out, crying out almost incoherently, certainly emotionally. He's in grave danger and he writes this psalm. He's afraid to go to sleep for fear that the enemy would come and kill him. He needs rest badly. He just needs to rest. So he asked the Lord to protect him, to give him sleep. And now he turns to God in deliberate and thoughtful prayer. Because you see, it's good to have peace within you, but it's also great to have protection around you. And that's why David is praying and why he asks God for three things. The first is, consider me. David's asking God to fix his eyes on him. The second one is to hear and answer. He's asking God to answer his prayer, asking God to provide some kind of encouragement as he's sitting there. And the third one is to give light to his eyes. David is not only looking for spiritual and emotional help. He's looking for the physical strength to carry on through his circumstances. He needs to see something, something that will help him move forward. And how easy it is for us to become discouraged when our minds and our bodies are tired and weary. It's at those times that the enemy comes to just chip away at us. And it's in those times that we struggle the worst. And that's why it's so important that we take time to rest in God's presence and to make sure that we're giving time for our souls to be realigned and refreshed with God. So that when we come up against the battles that we face, because they're inevitable, we will come up against them. But we can face them with courage because we, we know, we know that we will get through it because God is with us. But David knows that his enemy will continue to rejoice for as long as he is left numbed to his situation. In verse 4, he says, And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. 
my, my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. The rejoicing of the enemy would not only be against David, but also against God. So he prays that the enemy will not get the upper hand. And the thing is, we can't let our circumstances get the better of us. Allowing lies and, and deception to creep in, because that only causes us more harm. It also shows an inaccurate profile and portrayal of God to other people. Especially those that are just waiting to attack you or your faith. Like Tim Keller says, in prayer we have the greatest source of power that's possible. And it's at our disposal. By using it we give ourselves the chance to overcome our situations. You see, after having started this psalm from a place of despair, David continued and having spent time reflecting in that, that prayerful rest, he settles back into his faith, finds himself at peace and placing his trust in God and God's timing. He closes out the psalm in verses 5 and 6, where he says, But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. There's absolutely no indication here in this psalm that God has spoken to David. But it's clear that there is a relief that has come over him. You see, his trust is based on God's steadfast, loving kindness. He's rejoicing upon God's salvation, and his singing is upon God's bountiful care. You see, from that place of resting in God's presence, David has found true peace, and remembering and trusting in God's promise. David has now moved into that final stage of those times of trial and testing. One Bible commentary puts it this way, that David had come through tears to truth and from truth to triumph. I love that. Through tears to truth, from truth to triumph. Some people might wonder how David could swing so swiftly from the gloom at the start of the psalm to the gladness at the end. But the secret is found in that middle part of the psalm. David rests in God's presence just long enough, just long enough to have his eyes firmly fixed on the source of his strength. And he receives the peace that he needs doesn't make the situation go away, but he receives the peace of God in that. And after all that he's been through and that he's going through, he's able to say, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. David is now standing on the side of victory. And so do we. And so do we. Through our faith in and commitment to Jesus, 
our salvation includes victory over our circumstances and our situation. They will all be taken care of in God's time. And because we, as God's people, live in God's promises, and those promises never change or go away, we need to hold to that. And that's why in verse 6, David says he will sing the Lord's praise because he's dealt bountifully with me. You see, for David, God has been good in the past and he will be again and again. Have David's immediate circumstances changed? Not at all. Has Saul called off his army? Nope. Nothing has changed. But David can sing because God hasn't changed. And while this psalm started from a place of despair, it changes at the end to a man speaking with a confident faith in God. David speaks in the past tense where he has seen God be good to him. Having remembered these good things, David is now confident, confident enough to believe that God will deliver him safely from his current situation. He's so sure of it that he decides to break out in song. You see, Psalm 13 is like a, a roadmap of how we should deal with those times when we feel God is distant from us. Or those times where we feel like we're struggling. As I said earlier, I don't know where you are at this morning. It might be that you're in a good place. And again, I hope that you are. You might find it easy to reflect on, on God's promises and goodness and sing praises to Him. However, I'm also aware that you might find yourself in a tougher place this morning. Where you're Maybe not even sure why you are here, unable to sing these praises freely. And if you take away anything from this morning, let it be this. And I don't say any of this stuff to diminish your own individual circumstances or situation. But you're not the only person going through what you're going through at this moment. God has been there with other people and God will be there with you right now. So give yourself some time. Spend it in God's presence. Spend some time reading the scriptures, learning about these amazing promises that God has made to you. Maybe follow a, a Bible reading plan like the Bible in a year. But it also might be that you find yourself living at such a fast pace or just filled with busyness that you might find it beneficial to just stop. To just stop and spend some time in the quiet, reflecting and allowing God to show His faithfulness to you. I think as we start this new year, let's set aside some time each day, taking the opportunity to get to know more about God and God's promises to you.
And equally, if you would like someone to pray with you, then I'm always available. And there are others in the congregation too who would be more than happy to pray with you. If you'd like us to pray for you at our weekly prayer meetings, let me know too, and that can be arranged. Whatever situation you find yourself in, and no matter what you're going through, please know that you are covered and surrounded by the amazing love of Jesus. And that through that amazing love, you can get through anything with God who is never distant, and a God who never turns away from you. Now we might still cry out, how long, O Lord? But there are no unanswered prayers. God is always listening. And He is always at work in our situations. So let's pray to the God who is listening. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful. We are thankful that you are faithful. We thank you that you are in action. Even in those times where we, where we struggle to see you move, we know that you are on the move. No matter what we've done or said, you never leave us, you never forsake us. And by your Holy Spirit, might you continue to transform us and our lives. Would you inspire us and provide us with the opportunities to spend more time in your restful presence? Remind us of your promises. Remind us of those times where you've acted in our lives. And Lord Jesus, we give you all thanks and praise for your work on the cross, meaning that we never have to be apart from our Father in heaven. And it's in your precious and mighty name that we offer this prayer. Amen.